The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome again to the tabernacle. It's a great time of year, is it not? Yeah. We're on May. It's beautiful outside, and here we are indoors in the dark. It's perfect. <laughs> Just kidding. We're in a study of Romans, and if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, actually the last couple of months, I was sitting here thinking, we started Romans last fall, right? And we've been taking it a section at a time, and it's because it is this great letter that fully explains the gospel for us. It's densely packed with the theology of the gospel of God. And I hope it's been helpful for you and fruitful in your life. Uh, we're in Romans chapter 8 this morning, and we're starting in verse 1. And, and there, this is a pivot point. In this section, we've been talking about how the gospel brings us new life. And I think it's important for us to understand, especially now where we were in Romans chapter 7. Where we finished last week in Romans chapter 7, if you recall, is this famous passage where we found out that if we struggle, if we struggle in living the Christian life, if we struggle with sin, if we struggle with doing the right thing, that we're not alone. Do you remember that? That's why we say we're a crackpot church. That's why we you know, strive to be a church where we don't wear masks, where we seek to be authentic, where we say, you know what? There's no perfect people here. Because what we saw at the end of Romans chapter 7 is Paul, this super apostle, comes out and says, I struggle with sin too. I hate sin, but sometimes I do it. And the sin that I hate is what I don't want to do. And the good that I want to do, sometimes I struggle to do that. And that's so unique to the gospel because Religious people like to say, look at me, look how perfect I am, look at all the good that I do. And here's Paul, super apostle, right? Planted countless churches, led countless people to Christ, wrote over half of the New Testament, and super apostle Paul goes, I struggle. I do not do what I want to do, and what I want to do, I don't do, and the, what I do, I don't want to do, and the stuff that I want to do, I can't do. What's the matter with me, right? And one of the things that I shared is I love that passage because it shows that we're not alone. And it also showed that if we struggle, which by the way, 
We did a quick show of hands in all four of the services, and I don't know if they were raising their hands, watching online, or listening online, but we said by a quick show of hands, who struggles? And almost everybody raised their hand. And, and those that didn't are either deaf, asleep, or liars, right? Because <laughs> we're all looking around going, yeah, me too, you too, me too, we all struggle, right? And that's important for us to understand because Paul was saying, if you struggle, it's almost kind of a proof that you're saved. It's a proof because if you're not saved, if you're not a Christian, you can't love God's law. If you're a rebel, you don't love the law of God. But if you're a Christian, you're going to hate sin even though you can't always do it. That's good news. And now we transition to chapter 8, verse 1. And it's kind of a big deal. I don't want to oversell it before we start. This is what Paul writes. So now, some translations say, therefore. And remember, in Scripture, whenever you see a therefore, you should always stop and see what the therefore was there for, which means you go back. We already did that. But in the New Living Translation, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. So now, there is no condemnation. I cannot think of a better phrase in the book of Romans. I can't think of a better phrase in this chapter. I can't think of a better two words anywhere. No condemnation. You better get excited because it's beautiful outside Manchester United won the FA Cup yesterday. I'm full of caffeine, and we're preaching about what might be the best two words in all the Bible. Now, I know I said that last week, right? I said, oh, that was the best, and this is the best, but this time, I really, really, really mean it, okay? I think I heard a scholar, Martin Lloyd-Jones, say one time uh, that the best bit of scripture is whatever a preacher happens to be expounding upon at the time. I don't know if that's true or not. But I'm pretty sure that this has been called one of the greatest chapters in all of Scripture. And I know there's danger in that. We can argue about that later. But look at it again. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We're going to take four verses one at a time. Here's the first verse. This is what that verse is saying, is that we are free from condemnation. And we could just stop right there. Boom, drop the mic, walk away. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. What's that mean? Condemnation is a penalty. Condemnation is a debt. Condemnation is something that I owe. Condemnation is something that hangs over me. When you owe somebody, don't you hate that feeling? You know the feeling when you owe somebody? You, you, know, you hate the fact that the bank owns any part of you, but they do, right? That car is really not mine. It belongs to the bank. I'm making payments, right? And so we try to do our best to be debt-free in our lives. I don't want to owe anybody for my car. I don't want to owe anybody for my house. I don't want to have to buy tools and owe somebody for that. I don't want to take a loan. I don't want to ask a favor. Why? Because I hate owing people. We hate that. We hate being in someone's debt. That's why some of us won't even ask a favor. Well, condemnation is a debt. It's a penalty. It's my sin that's hurt God. I owe him. And you know what I owe him? My life. My blood. But if I belong to Christ Jesus, no condemnation, no debt, no penalty. Anyone else excited? It gets better than that. 
See, you're saying, why is he so worked up? Isn't this the gospel? I get it, I get it, I get it. We don't really get it. We don't really believe it or we forget it all the time. No condemnation. Most of us believe there's no condemnation for my past. Well, yeah, Jesus died on the cross to pay for all that bad stuff, but we're looking ahead. Yeah, but there's no condemnation right now. Oh, well, I believe that too. I'm in church, aren't I? I get bonus credits for that. Why do you need bonus credits if there's no penalty? Why do you need bonus points if there's no debt? If Jesus isn't a bank keeping score anymore, why? Do you see where I'm going? We believe in no condemnation for our past. We believe in no condemnation for our present. Most Christians do. But in this tense and in this sense and in the way Paul writes it here, there's also no condemnation in my future. Sound familiar? He's saying condemnation, if you belong to Christ Jesus, no longer exists for you. Ever. You don't move in and out of condemnation. It's done. If you belong to Christ Jesus because of his blood, because of his power, over. Never condemned again. In the eyes of God, the only eyes that matter. If you were here on Easter, remember we were talking about the the words that Jesus said from the cross. It is finished before he died. And we said that that is finished, past, present, and future. Same tense right here. Tetelestai. No condemnation. If you belong to Christ Jesus, condemnation, you're dead to it. It's over. The implications of no condemnation, past, present, and future, are staggering. It impacts every day, every hour, every minute, every second of our lives. But here's a problem. Some of us in here don't believe it. Some of us listening forget it all the time. And the evidence is in how we live our lives. Let's keep going or we'll never get done. Verse 2, he says, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So not only am I free from condemnation, according to verse 2, I'm free from sin's power. So verse 1 says, the penalty of sin is broken. Verse 2 says, the power of sin is broken. So I'm free from condemnation. That was verse 1. Verse 2 is, I'm free from sin's power. Do you know what that means? The way I put it, the way I understand it, if there's no condemnation, past, present, and future, how does that set me free from sin's power? It means I can breathe. I can breathe now. I can remember when my wife and I uh, paid off our last school debt. Just to be clear, I had none. But when I said I do to her $16,000 in debt, she was worth 10 times that, a million times that, right? But I just had to make that clear because I'm evil and wicked. When we paid off that last payment, felt so good. Now, there were other things we had to pay on. Trust me, that money was spoken for. It wasn't like all of a sudden I had money in my pocket and I was going shopping. That wasn't it at all. But I could breathe. Those school debt people won't be calling us anymore now that I'm 40. (laughs) America, right? But I'm free from sin's power because the penalty is gone forever. The debt is gone forever. And I can never be indebted again. That's the freedom that comes from that. That's verse 2. Here's verse 3. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. 
He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. This verse explains how, it's, it, how this freedom comes from. Where does the freedom come from? It comes from Jesus dying on a cross. That's why we highlight these words. The son as a sacrifice. This means I am free by Jesus' sacrifice. He was the one who did it. I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. You can't do it. None of us can do it. We want to be free. We don't want to be indebted. We couldn't do it for ourselves. Only Jesus could do it. The son sets us free. That means, and this is why it's important, the fact that Jesus did it, is my perspective about Jesus, totally changes. There's a brand new freedom that happens. Here's the best way that I can illustrate that, is there's laws in our land that we're supposed to abide by. Did you know that? Right? To use one that we've all seen, you're driving on a highway, there's a sign that says 55. And sometimes I go faster than that. I know I'm the only one. Let's say I'm going 65 and a 55. I am breaking law. Now, there's some things I'm worried about when I'm going 65 and a 55. Number one, I don't want to get caught. I don't want to pay the fine. I don't want my insurance rates to go up. I'm not worried about offending the law. I'm not worried about uh, the Department of Transportation being personally offended by me going 65. I'm not worried about Barack Obama being uh, offended by me going 65 and a 55. I'm not worried about the governor of the state of Michigan being offended. His feelings don't matter to me when I'm going 65 and a 55, do they? Right? I'm maybe a little bit worried if the state trooper's offended. I try to be nice and call him sir, keep my hands where he can see him, all that kind of stuff. But I'm really not offending or worried about offending a state trooper. The law can't save me because the law didn't sacrifice for me. However, to use another illustration, I am worried about offending my wife because I love her and I care for her and I know she loves me and cares for me. There's some days I wake up and I'm like, I can't believe I get to be married to this woman. I can't believe she lets me in the house especially after I've been doing yard work. I can't believe that I get to sleep in the same bed as this human being, right? And even though our bedroom is all chicked out with the doilies and all the comforters and the 85 pillows, and I don't see the point of that, it doesn't matter. I feel like a guest. I just get to be in here, even though my side of the bed is like oil-stained and dirt. No, sorry, that's disgusting. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, really, dudes, can I get a witness, Right? I am worried about offending her. Because of my love for her, there's certain places I won't go. Because of my love and adoration for her, there's certain things that I don't want to ever catch myself saying about her. There's certain things I'm not going to look at. There's situations I'm not going to put myself into because I love her and I want to serve her. And because I know she loves me and I see how she serves me. And I don't want to offend that. This is why it's important to remember that we're freed by Jesus' sacrifice. It used to be I was worried about sinning against God's law, but God's law can't get offended really except by fear and punishment. It's different because Jesus' sacrifice sets me free. I don't want to offend him. 
because he matters to me. Because apparently, I matter to him. I matter to him. In verse 4, he says he did this, this is Jesus, so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. See, now I'm free to follow the Spirit. Because I'm freed by Jesus' sacrifice, now I'm free to live in a new way. I'm free to follow the Spirit. This is the new freedom that the new life in Christ offers every single one of us. God did not intend for you and I to worry about whether or not we owe him. He did not intend for us to worry about, am I condemned today? Am I in good standing? Am I in bad standing? This is religiosity. This is not gospel. So on Friday, I'm dropping off the kids at school. Got the Jeep full of kids. It's near the end of the school year. It's early in the morning. We're running late. Uh, uh, My son, Benjamin, he's eight. He and I are the only two dudes in a house full of women. Even our dog's a female, right? So we're in a 2v6 zone defense all the time. And sometimes as a man, you just want to scratch, sniff, be a grouch, do whatever, you know, that type of thing. And it's been a bad morning. And he's mouthing off to everybody. And he's talking to his sisters the way he shouldn't talk to them. And and he caps it all off, being a grump in the car, is as he leaves, he slams the car door, and one of them's still trying to get out, right? Just being rude. And I checked him. Talked to him the way men need to be talked to. Benjamin. Hey, that's not the way you talk to your sister. You understand me? And he's he kept walking. His head's down. Benjamin, come back here. And he kept walking. And I could see he was just defeated. He was discouraged. I disciplined him. He felt bad. And he's walking into school. That's how we're going to start the day. Some inside me said, no, that's not the way we start the day. Pulled the car over, parked it, went walking in. Followed him. Almost everybody was already in class. He's down at his locker. I'm coming down the hall. He looks up, sees me coming. Head goes down. I can see it. Defeat, discouragement, condemnation. I don't know what he was expecting. Remember those situations? (laughs) And I got down there, and I just put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, buddy, I said, you know that's not the way we talk to your sister, especially to Gabby. You understand that? Yeah. I said, it's over, though. You know I love you. I'm proud of you. You're my son. Nothing's ever going to change that. I want you to have a great day, buddy. Okay? I was calling after you to tell you all that stuff. That's why I came in here. To make sure that you knew. Gave me a hug right there. It's pretty cool. Oh. But that was important. I didn't need him going all day under condemnation, under a cloud. He started the day under rebuke, under discipline, getting in trouble. He needed to know it's over and you're loved and I'm proud of you and there's no condemnation. You owe me nothing. And I saw a little bounce in his step when he came home. And it was more than just because it was Friday. He wasn't sulking around like he was still. He'd had a great day. Did you have a good day? I had a good day because it's Friday. It's a great day. Hey, Dad, can we have a bonfire tonight? Hey, Dad, can we go get ice cream? Can we go down to Dairyland? That's the freedom that comes when we believe or we refuse to forget that we're no longer under condemnation. And that's what God wants for us every single day. I wonder if it's not a good thing for us to preach that sermon to ourselves every single day. Martin Luther famously said this. He said, 
that the only spiritual progress we ever make is when we continually come back to the beginning of everything. So in other words, we never really move past the cross. We never really move past Jesus' sacrifice and love for us. We never really move past no condemnation. We just spiral down to deeper and deeper and deeper levels of understanding of it. So if you're sitting here waiting, when does the magic come? When did they turn me into super Christian? You know what the secret is? I'm going to bring you back to the cross. I'm going to bring you back to the sacrificial love of Jesus. We're going to bring you back to the person of Christ. We come back to those words. There is no condemnation for those if you belong to Jesus Christ. That's what sets you free. You're free from condemnation. Free from sin's power. You're free because of Jesus' sacrifice. And now you're free to follow the Spirit. That's why still get freaked out when I say, hey, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you're free to obey or not. What do you mean? Everyone's got to obey. No, you don't. I think Jesus would kind of like you to. Got a feeling. But you have a choice. See, the power of love is way more powerful than the power of fear. Power of fear. Fear does not force anyone to sacrifice effectively. But I'll tell you, I've said it before, I'll take a bullet for anyone in my family. I'll do it in a heartbeat. Why? Love. I'll serve and I'll sacrifice because of love. That's the type of love Christ wants from us. Understand his love. And if if we really understood that, as a church, we'd be ready to charge the gates of hell with squirt guns. What do you want us to do? Let's go. I'm bringing a super soaker. You'll get that later. Now, here's a problem. We don't believe it or we forget it. There's some people here today, you're not a Christian and you don't believe it yet. Or you are here today and you're a Christian and you don't believe it yet. Or you're here today and you're a Christian and maybe you've forgotten it or maybe you tend to forget it. In the time we have left, I want to give you 10 symptoms that you either don't believe that you're set free, that there's a new freedom that comes from no condemnation, or maybe you have forgotten or tend to forget all the time. These are the symptoms in our daily life that come from that. Here's number one. You struggle feeling guilty or unworthy. Now, all of us, when we come to Christ, there's there's this feeling of guilt for our sins or unworthy. But after we come to Christ, we might be convicted of sin, but we no longer are supposed to feel guilt. There's a difference. Conviction motivates me to change, all right? Guilt makes me feel condemned. If you struggle overwhelmingly feeling guilty and unworthy all the time, you have forgotten or you don't believe that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Number two, are you overly driven to prove yourself? You got to prove yourself to everybody. You got to prove your value. You got to prove your worth. Man, within five minutes of meeting you, if you've told me your resume, how much you make, what you do for a living, your accomplishments, your, your high school football records, and, and how much you can bench press, you've got a problem, man. What are you trying to prove? You know what would have been fine with me? What's your name and are you a child of God? That's the only thing I'm impressed with, really, at the end of the day. Are you following Jesus? Yeah. You're not? Well, we need to talk. Maybe help with that. Some of us were just so driven to prove ourselves all the time, to justify ourselves, the way we look, the way we talk, the way we act, how much money we have, the way we smell. Calm down for a minute. If there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ, what are we worried about? Here's another symptom. We're motivated by fear and duty. You don't do things because you love God. You do things because you're afraid he'll squash you like a bug. 
That's not a motivation. That's not a motivation. That doesn't come from within. Number four, you may have forgotten about no condemnation if you're insecure in your relationships with other people. You know what I'm talking about? Those people that are just incredibly needy and dependent. What did they mean by that? They put that on Facebook. Was that about me? Was that about her? Was that about them? I better like it. What if I, but if I like it, they'll know I saw it. And then if I saw it, they'll, then they'll know it's about me and they'll have to reply. Get outside of your head. What are you so insecure about? Right? People had a party. I wasn't invited. People went to dinner. Oh, it was two couples. What about us? I thought we were in that cool crew. Well, I'm going to have a couple. I'm going to invite somebody else. What's your deal? Who are you trying to impress? We forget how big no condemnation is. That leads to number five. We get defensive about everything. We're overly sensitive to criticism. We got to defend everything all the time. We can't just say, yeah, you know, you're right. That's me. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I'm getting better at it, but I got to remind myself not to be overly defensive to criticism. And by the way, that's a, I'm in a really bad job to be overly sensitive to criticism because let me tell you something. Don't get in this job if you struggle with criticism, right? I mean, how many of you have almost 700 people watch you work every week, right? Anyone on a church staff knows what that feels like. Number six, we struggle with addictive and destructive behaviors. See, we struggle feeling unworthy and guilty, so then we try to mask it with something And that could be drugs, that could be alcohol, that could be prescription pills, that can be work, that can be working out, all types of things that we become addicted to, trying to mask our feelings of guilt. Number seven, we have a critical and judgmental spirit. You know, this gets really disgusting when you see people that because of the blood of Christ, they're no longer under condemnation, past, present, or future, and they're married, right, which is supposed to be a picture of that love relationship between us and Christ, And all they do is judge and criticize each other all the time. You see a wife that's constantly cutting down her husband. You can't do anything right. You don't love me and you don't bring me enough flowers. And then you get the husband, which, sorry, guys, is even worse. You don't look like you did before you had my kid, man. I just better be quiet because you might think I'm talking about you. If you think I'm talking about you, I am. (laughs) It's disgusting. And it's because we don't like ourselves. And so... I can't bear my self-criticism, so I'm going to put it on you. That's real manly. Sorry, that was sarcasm. Or you know what? I hate me, and I don't believe that God really loves me and values me, so you know what? I'm going to judge those people, or even better, I'm going to judge their kids. I'm going to be the world's greatest critic. And we forget that Jesus bought this no condemnation dearly for us. So we can be free. Number eight, this is a bad one. We get insecure with God. Some of us are totally insecure with God. Jesus said, when you pray, call him Abba. He called God the Father Abba. If you and I belong to Jesus Christ, we are adopted into the family. We get to call God Abba. Translated, Papa or Daddy. That means in our relationship with God, we don't have to be insecure. We can say, Daddy, can we have a bonfire tonight? Daddy, can we go for ice cream? That's your relationship with God the Father because of what Jesus paid for. And do you deserve it? Nope, neither do I. But that's what it means. That's the freedom. We have the freedom 
to run up to him with that same familiarity that your kids have with you. Hey, can I borrow $5 and the keys of the car? Go to the general store. That's our relationship. By the way, he might say no. (laughs) Number nine, if we don't believe it or if we've forgotten it, we're unmotivated to live a holy life. We're unmotivated to live a holy life. If you're not motivated to want to serve and obey God's law, you struggle not with obeying. You struggle with loving. You struggle with loving. When things are good between my wife and I, and I'm feeling love, and I want to show love, and I want her to know love, I don't struggle to do all the things that I know please her. It's when our relationship, you know, it's kind of let things kind of go stale. We haven't said I love you in quite a while. You know, things are not as good as they could be. That's when, that's when we mouth off. That's when we say things we wish we wouldn't have said. That's when we do things that we got no business doing. But if I live in this place, understanding the freedom that I have with Jesus, I'm motivated to obey him. And last but not least, if I believe there's no condemnation, if I refuse to forget there's no condemnation, then I won't struggle in prayer and worship. Here's a symptom. If your prayer and worship, if it is joyless, like if you don't pray with joy in your heart, you've forgotten or you don't believe it. You don't understand yet how big of a deal it is. Lord, thank you for this day. I guess I'm supposed to pray. Yada, yada, yada. The sky is blue. Really? Yada, yada, yada? I don't know if anyone prays that. If you do, you might should stop, as they say in the country. If you're worship, and you know, that's why... That's why we're so blessed when we see people just love to sing praises to God because that means we've returned, like Martin Luther said, back to the beginning, back to the beginning, back to the beginning. I never get tired of the gospel. I never get tired of preaching the same thing over and over, that he loves us, that it's unconditional, that he paid for all of it. If we forget that, that's when we start to wander off the path. Joyless prayer and worship is a symptom Are they going to sing my favorite song? Oh, I hate this song. It's all about the love of God. (laughs) It's in a tune I don't like. I like a lot. I mean, I like God, but the tune's bad. And that chick's singing today, and that dude's on the drum. He doesn't have any hair. What's the deal? (laughs) It's kind of weird. It's like you're focused on the wrong thing, man. We're singing about Jesus. And by the way, that chick sings really well, and that drummer's incredibly gifted. And God gave him that chrome dome. We're set free. There's a new freedom. There's a new freedom that is available to everyone here. I don't know who you are or what brought you here. But if you've called yourself a Christian and you believe in Jesus Christ, if you're not living in freedom, you don't believe in no condemnation yet. You're not free. I mean, you're free, but you're not living free. Or maybe you know that, you even remember these verses, but, but you keep forgetting. Stop forgetting. If you're here today and you're not a Christian or you're not sure... This could be the day, May 22nd, 2016, that you say, this is the day I'm going to believe in that no condemnation thing because if that's what it is, I want it. I want to live that way. I don't want to live under all those symptoms. 
You know, I took a risk reading all those symptoms. It's kind of like those, uh, 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 those medicinal ads on TV. I know you have TVs. Don't act like you don't, right? And then they go, do you struggle with joint pain? And in 30 seconds, they go, try this drug. This is where you get it. And then there's two minutes of, just to warn you, if you take this little painkiller, you could also develop head lice. And you could have suicidal thoughts. You might kill people around you and small kittens. And your spleen will fall out, Right? That's what I'm, I mean, then by the end, you're like, I'll deal with joint pain, right? I don't want to take those risks. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm saying all those symptoms don't live that way. That's bondage. That's death. That's terrible. But if we believe in no condemnation, we can have a new freedom. We can live a different way. And it's for you. It's for me. It's, there's no one who's beyond its reach. I was reading a story yesterday, and I won't give you all the details because it'll wreck you. The short version is this. Is there's a man and woman in their late 20s, and um, they lived in a large city, and uh, both of them had kind of been what the world would call unlucky in love. Failed relationship, failed relationship. She was very beautiful, very intelligent, very smart, uh, but hadn't you know, struggled finding the right job and definitely the right man. People tend to just use her for her beauty and nothing else. And this guy, he was a gentleman, but people were judging him by his pocketbook and not what was on the inside and all these different types of things. Long story short, they met at a laundromat, just struck up a conversation. And a few days later, they ran into each other in the same apartment complex, and they realized, oh, we live in the same place, and they kept running into each other. And then they're at the same diner. Can I join you? Yes. It was one of those. It's like a Nicholas Sparks deal, right? <laughs> and they're making friends, and, and it's just a relationship. And both of, neither one of them are looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. They're not looking for that, but they're falling for one another. They're reading the same books. They're, they're, they're uh, treating each other with respect. They're being kind, and, and he's being helpful to her when the car won't start. And, and, and next thing you know, they're doing dinner, and, and this is developing quickly, and this is a boyfriend and girlfriend thing, and she's afraid because he doesn't know everything about her, and he's pursuing, and it all comes down to where they're at this dinner and she knows that she knows that she knows, overcome with guilt, I've got to tell him who I really am. And if I don't, I could never live with myself. But she doesn't want to tell him who she really is because she's afraid he'll walk away. So finally, she spits out the words, I need to tell you something. What is it? You don't know who I really am. I don't think this can go any further. What are you talking about? This has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. She goes, no, if you knew who I really was, you'd walk away. He goes, no, I wouldn't. Try me. I know you're not married, right? No, I'm not married. Are you in the CIA? Because, you know, shh, I can keep a secret. You know, that type of stuff. She finally gets up the courage. She says, it's not that at all. She goes, I've never told you what I do for a living. She said, I'm a prostitute. I'm a high-end prostitute. And I know you'll probably walk away. I sell myself to men to use me. And I was foolish to think you could ever be with me. And the tears are coming down her face. And there's tears in his eyes. And she's sure it's over. And he reaches across the table, takes her hands. And he starts whispering something. And she can't hear it. Because she's doing the little cry, sob thing. And. She finally composes herself because he won't let go. She looks into his eyes. He's saying over and over, 
I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. This changes nothing. I love you. Isn't that just like Jesus? Isn't that what Jesus did for me? Isn't that what Jesus does for you? Isn't that what Jesus does for us? Isn't that a story in the book of John and the Gospels when a woman caught in adultery, the same thing, was dragged before Jesus by a bunch of people that had already condemned her and wanted stones to be thrown at her until she was dead? And they said, teacher, should we not stone this woman? And what was his answer? The only one worthy to condemn said, whichever one of you has no sin, you get to throw the first stone. And one by one, they dropped the rocks and they left. Until only Jesus and the woman was there. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's freedom. That's new freedom. The question is, do you believe it? The question is, do you forget it? The question is, are you in Christ? Do you belong to Jesus? That's the only question. So if you bow your heads, the band's going to come. And we're going to sing in a moment. But before we do, if you're not a Christian or you're not sure, that freedom from condemnation that freedom from the power of sin, that being freed by Jesus' sacrifice, that freedom to follow the Holy Spirit, that's available, but you have to belong to Jesus, and only you can do that. He won't force himself on you. He's a gentleman that way. But this could be the day where you say, today I give my life to Christ, so no one will ever doubt again. I'll know. I'm going to write it down someplace. It happened on May 22nd, 2016. If you're listening or watching online, today could be the day where you say, that is the day. This is the day. Look up the date. Write it down. That's when I trusted Christ. And new freedom begins right there. If you're here today and you are a Christian, but you have not believed that part of the gospel yet, this could be the day. If you are a Christian and you keep forgetting, this could be the day where you make a decision a commitment. You know what? I'm going to preach that sermon to myself every day. It's an easy sermon to remember. No condemnation. 